Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You are listening to About Progress. This is episode 266, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do About Racism. Hello, progressors. I am talking to you directly into my laptop today. As you know, we moved out of California into Utah, into Utah, to Utah, and I am without my recording equipment. But today's topic and the discussion I want to have with you is so important that I needed to just record this regardless of not having the fancy microphone. So no music today, no ads, um, and definitely lesser sound quality, but I hope that you still enjoy what we are talking about today. So I want to cut to the chase right away. You know, we live in a time right now that I feel cannot be ignored. And, you know, just like I could not ignore the realities of COVID-19 on this podcast. I mean, can you imagine if I pretended that wasn't happening right now and I just had all these episodes that didn't reflect real life? I also cannot ignore how those of us in the United States and by extension around the world are coming face to face with the effects of systemic racism. And it might have seemed like maybe it was still business as usual since I recorded my episodes well in advance. So just so you know, before this and after this, there are going to be episodes that might not seem to relate to the time as much only because you recorded in advance. But like you, 
like you, I have been so troubled and I've been so saddened by the suffering of minorities that we are seeing right now, especially our black brothers and sisters. And I want to do my part not to just mourn with those that mourn, but also to help change the pain that people are facing. And like you, I have struggled to know what to do and what to say. And I've been afraid that I'll make mistakes and navigate this in ways that are incorrect or even damaging. And that I won't do right by the black community or that I'll offend others that see things differently and that I love too in the process. So I have some things I want to say before I dig into the real conversation. And I want to say first, right off the bat, that I am well aware that the majority of this audience are white women. women. And I know that some of you may not agree with me that racism is still a problem, that white privilege exists, and that as white people, we need to do our part to end systemic racism. And I know that you might want to turn off this podcast right now because you think I'm pushing a politically liberal agenda. So let me tell you, this is not for me about political parties or even singular incidences that we are seeing. It's not about the violence, those particular evidence. It's a bigger thing. But it might surprise you to learn. I'm actually, I'm going to get real personal with you here. I wouldn't normally do this, but I think I need to say this. I'm actually a declared independent. And I regularly vote across party lines on every ballot that I've had in front of me for over 10 years. So this is to say that I am not being driven by a mainstream political ideology. And I'm speaking both to Fox's ideology and CNN's ideology. I see that so many of us are navigating this time of upheaval from a place of defensiveness. And we're seeing people on another side from us and seeing them as an other. You know, just like on that um, series Lost, The Others, We are so defensive because we're seeing what other people are saying as coming from the others. So here is one disclaimer from me. Being anti-racist is not being anti-cops. It's about being anti-injustice. Now that is the words of an incredible black Instagrammer that I'll link her IGTV video to. Her name is Iverlee and it's I-V-I-R-L-E-I. Again, being anti-racist and not being anti-cops is about being anti-injustice. What we mean when we're saying this, and I'm echoing her words, is you can believe that most cops are good and trying to do their best with their jobs of protecting and serving our communities while also believing that racism still permeates this country and that injustice needs to be fought against and people held accountable for their wrong actions. We all know that all lives matter and that we are all equal to God. No one disputes that. But we live in a fallen world. And with that, we live in an unfair world. Seeing other people's extra dose of unfairness does not take away from our own hardships. We all struggle, true, but we are seeing right now, what we're seeing are the effects of our Black brothers and sisters who have experienced greater lack of opportunity, more trauma and prejudice because of the color of their skin. For me, this is about humanity and doing the right thing. This is about seeing people for who they are and what they have suffered This is about living up to our own values and not sitting on the sidelines, even when we don't fully understand it all, agree with it all even, or know what to say or do. 
I want to read a quote to you. Um, I found this on an influencer's page named Megan Joy Today. And she's a white woman. She has six kids and she's married to a black man. And so they have definitely an interesting perspective of this. And they have definitely had their fair doses of people, you know, trying to remind them that all lives matter, which they've said, yes, we understand that. But she wanted to quote what her husband says about this. When people say Black Lives Matter, it's not to say that Black lives are the only lives that matter. It's to draw attention to the fact that Black lives are undervalued in our country and are far more likely to be ended by police. It's to point out the racial inequality that has been the reality of our country for decades. Of course, all lives matter. But let's focus on the group of people who have been suffering at the hands of our nation. By saying all lives matter, you take away from the very thing we are trying to fight for. That's just a little bit of insight there. So maybe you are like me and you thought that systemized racism, and when I say that, I mean racism within our laws, our education, and our culture, ended with a civil rights movement. Maybe you still, you know, you knew that racism existed, but it was very separate from you and primarily happening happening in places far away from you and people who didn't align with you and your values. And maybe you're also like me and you have been troubled to learn that racism is still very much a part of our society as a whole, both with our laws and our education and our culture. And that even we, even we as really good people who think we accept and love everybody still have innate biases and special privileges that we didn't ask for, but they exist because of our own skin color, which is supported by our systems. And that knowledge feels super uncomfortable and even hard to accept. I get it. But now, right right now, you are ready to learn. You're ready to learn more about that and to do something. So today, I want to share how we don't have to be experts at racism and Black history to still start doing something about it. Today, I just want to speak from the heart to those of you who are like me too and aware of and even educated about racism are eager for things to change, but are scared to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. I know this is still a self-development podcast, but what I've been saying for years about getting out of your comfort zone, getting messy, being open, learning, trying, and doing something totally applies to what we are facing right now. This time is demanding all of this from us, first with COVID-19 and now with the effects of racism that are coming, rising to the top of what we need to take care of and, 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 and see and realize is happening. So I want to give you one more disclaimer before we dig in. I'm like, you're probably wondering, when are we going to get to the point? Sorry, but this all has to be said. My second disclaimer here, though, I, I am not here to educate you about our hundreds year history with racism and all its nuance that would take, I don't even know how long, and I don't have that wealth of experience and knowledge to do that. And I'm also not here to tell you what you should believe politically or how boldly you should act on what we're talking about today. But I am here to to share with you and our struggle to navigate this time well as women and as leaders in our families and our communities and how despite our own lack of knowledge, or even confidence, we still need to try. And if you are ready for more education on systemic racism and Black history and all of this nuance that we've been discussing a very nutshell version of, I want to direct you to Jasmine Bradshaw and her incredible podcast, First Name Basis. Her audience is meant to be you, meaning white women. 
and it's designed to help you feel less intimidated and better educated so you can go from good intentions to confident action. I especially recommend these two episodes, um, season two, episode 14. What is privilege and what do I do about it? Yes, she talks about white privilege in there, but she's talking about privilege overall. And there's so many different kinds and we all benefit from privilege, all of us on earth in some way or another. So go listen to that episode two, uh, episode 14 of season two. And then I also listened to her very first episode, episode one of season one, talking to your kids about race. By the way, she has a new Patreon community where you can take part of her monthly Q&As, and I'm linked, linking to that as well, and I'm going to be participating. I've signed up. Jasmine has become my friend, and I'll tell you more why she's become my friend later, but you'll be seeing here, hopefully in the fall as well. We discussed months ago about her being a guest in the fall if she's not too busy. Her podcast and her life right now are just blowing up in the best of ways, so she might not have time, so I'll just put that out there, but we hope to have her on the show as well. So in the show notes, I'll also link to a few videos and posts that were especially helpful for me right now, because uh, here's one thing, another disclaimer, I know you shouldn't just be listening to your fellow white women talking about racism. I know that I am one. (laughs) I know that. And I know that I'm speaking to you here and maybe it sounds like preaching, but this is just me trying to use my platform. And I still want to direct you to and amplify Black voices that deserve it. Research shows that white women are more inclined to listen to other white women talk about racism than responding to Black women talking about racism. So this is why I'm trying to use my voice here, but I still want to direct you right to the source. We'll talk about that more later. All right, so let's do this. Let's talk about the three points I have for you that I want to drive home on how we can navigate this time as white women who can't and who won't ignore what is happening, but also don't know exactly how to help, but are ready to try. This is not a comprehensive list. This is not all that we should be doing and learning about. And this list is not to shame you. This is me saying, um, oh, and this is not me saying that I know better than all of you and that you should look to me as your exemplar. I'm I'm, a, I'm in this with you, but it is our messy way to start. And you know, that's what I'm all about. So my first point on what to do when you don't know what to do about racism is to be teachable. So with this is to be open, listen, be open to listening and to learning from other people and other perspectives. Now this happened for me kind of by force. I'm going to give you just a little bit of my own history. I moved at 21 years old. I got married, moved from Utah, and I moved to Alameda. It's an island city that borders Oakland, which is definitely super diverse. And and for the first time in my life, in fact, I was in the minority, both with my my race and my religious and my political ideals. And I had to come face to face with a lot of things I didn't know. Like I, when I came to that area, I thought I was a good person. I thought I was accepting of everyone. I thought that I was super great with diversity and colorblind, that I could see people and not their color, which by the way, is not the right way to look at it. But I learned about that later. And and, and what I did in this, in this, as part of this experience is I, I was an after school teacher and then I became a real, a real teacher. And I was, I was, I was part of a program with Mills College in Oakland, California for my teaching program that was designed to send teachers to inner city schools. And as part of that, they knew that these teachers would be coming face to face with systemic racism and face to face with the different experiences that their students and their communities were facing that maybe the teachers had had in their lives. And as part of the program, we had to dig deeper than we ever had dug before into our own backgrounds, our own history, 
our own privileges and our own innate biases. And I'm going to tell you right now that I felt resistant to that in the beginning because I didn't want people to just see me as a white privileged girl from Utah who was naive and knew nothing because I knew I was a good person. And I knew that my parents had worked super hard to get where they are. My dad is a doctor, but both of my parents are farmers Uh, children of farmers. They had to work so hard to get where they are. And within my family, my parents made us work very hard and I had to work hard to where I was. So I was resistant to learning these things and to facing them because I thought it meant something bad about me. But over time and with generous teachers and colleagues and friends within my program and then in the community, I was able to better face that it didn't mean I was bad. It meant that our system was faulty. And that it meant that I still could use my privilege to combat the what the effects of the racism that was happening within my communities. And by the way, I came face to face with how racism was still impacting communities for generations and for hundreds of years, in fact. And I could go on a whole other soapbox about this, but just so you know, public education is not the same across the board. The more affluent the area, the better the education. And the less affluent, the more that racism has impacted these areas. And again, I could talk about this so much more, but the lack of opportunity, the lack of access is true. It's there. And And I'm grateful for my time working in Oakland and in Alameda and in Berkeley so I could see and open my worldview in ways I hadn't. But it wouldn't have worked if I hadn't tried to be teachable. So here's what I want to say to you about that. It's okay if this stuff is new to you. It's okay if you've been like, what is privilege? What is white privilege? What do you mean white privilege? Like, isn't that also racist? It's okay if you have those reactions because The truth is we have not as a nation been properly educated. We have not been properly educated about racism, about black history, about our own, you know, founding fathers. Um, We only get blimps of racism based off of the Civil War and the Civil Rights Movement. But it's so much more than that. We haven't been educated. And I also want to say you don't need to be ashamed about your privileges that you didn't ask for, but that are there. You just need to acknowledge them and use them for good. So again, the first point is to be teachable. And with that, put down your defensive armor. Seek out connection and learning. That is everything. Connection and learning. Well, how can you do that? That's my next point. My next point to what to do when you don't know what to do about racism is to diversify your feed. Now, this might seem kind of superficial or does it really matter? But yes, it absolutely matters. To be teachable, which was my first point, you need to be able to go right to the source. And part of our innate racial bias, again, is that we are more inclined to listen to people who look like us and believe like us. And we need to work on ending that. The way we work on ending that is making it a regular part of our lives to see, hear, and connect with people of color, with people of different religious backgrounds, political backgrounds. It goes across the board. But again, today we're talking more specifically about racism. So if you want to do your part to combat that, you need to connect with people of color, especially the black people that we are talking about right now with the with all the events that are going on that are showing the effects of racism, especially against that population. So how many of you are like me and You might be realizing right now that your feed reflects mostly people who look like you and believe like you. I came to the stark realization kind of by force, but in a really good way. I'm going to share more about that in a moment about 
a year and a half ago. Now, for some time, like when I started the podcast, I intended on making it an, an inclusive podcast. I had intended on making sure that I was enveloping people of different perspectives. But I lost my way because it was difficult and uncomfortable to do that. It felt like a stretch that I wasn't sure I could do. And I'll tell you more about that why in a minute. But I had had on my mind, you know, I really do want to make sure I'm inclusive. I had anxiety about it, but I wasn't taking action because I was primarily following people who looked like me and believed like me. And it was easier to ask those people to be on my podcast. But then I had a great review left on my podcast that was so respectful, um, but also directly worded. And I'm going to read it to you right now. I'm just pulling it up on my phone. Okay. This review said, I love this podcast. Monica is so relatable and I always leave feeling uplifted. She's always interviewing amazing women who have great tips and perspectives. I would love to see more diversity and inclusion in the women she interviews. Women of color face unique challenges when it comes to navigating the world and we need their voices in the mix too. Now, when I read that, my first honest reaction was a little bit of defensiveness. I was like, oh, I, why, why is she saying I'm not inclusive? Does she think I'm racist? I'm doing a good job here. I'm doing my best. But, you know, 30 seconds later, um, I, I had to calm myself down and come face to face with, hold on a minute. This, this reviewer is right. They are right. And also, this is not who I am. This is not reflective of my own personal values that I have learned over my years of being exposed in ways that have enriched my life so fully, and I'm not living up to them. And yeah, I felt guilty. I didn't feel shamed, though. I felt guilty in ways that could help propel me to change. And that reviewer actually was Jasmine Bradshaw, and I know she's okay with me sharing about this um, because that just shows you can be bold and respectful, but also pressure people to, to be more inclusive in ways that are going to help everyone. So, you know, initially I, it took, and I'm not saying this like, oh, poor me, but I, I did have to work on it. I had to work on being inclusive for the podcast has taken effort. It's made me uncomfortable. It's stretched me. And the way I started that was by diversifying my feed before I asked people to be on the show. Well, before that, I spent time intentionally diversifying who I was following, who I was listening to, and the books I was reading. Um, and that helped me not only connect and see people, but also helped me, you know, just logistically with the podcast, know, wow, this person would be an incredible fit and I would love to have them on. There were no token people of color on my show because I worked to diversify my feed to start with and to learn and to connect. So think about that. How can you diversify that? And to help, I will actually link to every Black woman we've had on the show. Just And just to note, again, I know that there has been, have been more women of diverse races on the show besides Black women, but I'm directing us more to the former because of the applicability of what we are talking about right now in our nation about um, Black lives in particular. Okay, so I will link to every single one of those guests in the show notes and the Instagram page that you need to be following them on. You know, and also, you know, start thinking about the books you are reading, the podcasts you are listening to, even the shows you watch. Now, I 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know I often speak about how women must do habits differently, and one of the biggest reasons why is simply biology. In other words, hormones. Our hormones are a real factor to how we feel physically, mentally, and emotionally, and they constantly change day to day and year to year as we age. My friends warned me that the hormone roller coaster gets harder as we get older, and they were right. From worse PMS to more aggravating period symptoms to all the things that come with perimenopause and menopause. If you're wanting help with that hormone roller coaster, I want you to check out today's sponsor, Happy Mammoth, and their supplement, Hormone Harmony, a bottle of which is sold every 24 seconds with over 17,000 reviews. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible perimenopause and menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, and so much more. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. If you want to feel more like yourself, make sure you go to Happy Mammoth and find Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code PROGRESS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PROGRESS for 15% off today. I feel like I should, if you could see me, I, I would just have a sign here that says not perfect. I have been working on this, but I'm not perfect. An example of this is this weird resistance I kind of faced when I started to read a book on my um, audiobook app. I'm like, what are the words? Audiobook app Libby. And I was just looking for some audiobooks that were available right away because I hate like having to wait forever. And one of them was called The Hate You Give, and it looked really intriguing. Um, and it's written by Angie Thomas. And I started to read it, and initially I, I felt a little bit resistant to it because I thought, well, the story's about um, a black teenage girl who is very much facing what we are seeing in the world right now. She witnesses some terrible, avert racism. Um, and there's a, a whole community that goes into protests and then riots and she's in the middle of it. And so initially I thought, well, I'm a white woman. Like, should I be reading this? Is this for me? Like it feels a little bit different. And I had to face myself and be like, Hey, wait a second. Like Harry Potter is about a boy wizard living in England. And that is like your favorite book series. So why can't you, this book be for you too? So I, I did listen to it. It has strong language, but it's incredible. I highly recommend it. And I'm just glad for that, that I, I was able to push through that. But there's an example. You might have a little bit of resistance to this or a little bit of fear behind it, um, but that's okay to do that. 
I have some great podcasts I can recommend. And I did that in my Instagram story. So if you're interested in that, just go to my highlights and my Instagram page about progress. And one of the highlights says BLM for Black Lives Matter. And then you can click on that and you'll see some of my podcast recommendations too. This totally is in your own self-interest, by the way. Like when your worldview expands, you benefit from that. And with that, I wanted to read a quote from um, a black designer, home designer online. And she was responding to people who are, you know, following this movement to diversify their feed and to elevate um, voices of women of color, especially black women. And she just wanted to like say like, hey, this is what you're getting from it. So here's what you're going to get for it. Even if you're just thinking about your own personal self-interest. What you get when you incorporate us. Oh, let me say the name. I'm so sorry. Candidly Dina. Candidly Dina, that's D-E-E-N-A, and we'll link to that in the show notes. She said, quote, what you get when you incorporate us into your feed is our stories. You see Black love and family on full display. You see our children celebrating milestones, graduating high school, going off to college. You see our joy and laughter and self-care, and sometimes you see our pain. We may speak openly about our fear for our sons and husbands or even our challenges with being unseen. So maybe you don't have black friends in real life, which honestly try to work on that. But friending us in this space will help you interact with or counteract headlines in a better way. You'll know that black people are not menacing or lazy or any of the stereotypes they try to thrust upon our community because you will have seen countless examples to the contrary with your own eyes. And then you'll not only be sad when something tragic happens, but you'll also be outraged. Isn't that amazing? Unquote. Sorry. Candidly, Dina, thank you for that. Now, again, I'm a work in progress with that, but now is the time. Like before, when I was realizing that I needed to start with me, I was basically Googling black self-development leaders and I was trying to follow people and it felt more like a push. It felt more of a stretch for me to do that. But right now, people are sharing everywhere who you should be following, reading, and listening to. So enrich your life and diversify. And yes, I've been saying more specifically black people that you should be following, but you can extend this to all people of color and also people of different religions and backgrounds and political views. One big note on that though, is we don't want to tokenize people. We don't want to be like, oh, you are my one black follow or my two black follows, or you are my one black friend. That feels icky. And you'll know the difference. You'll know when you are learning and connecting and growing from people versus just trying to make it look like you are. Okay, so let's go on to the third one. Again, that second one, though, was to diversify your feed. The third point of what to do when you don't know what to do about racism is to get uncomfortable and take messy action. Let's just be frank. We're going to make mistakes doing this. We're going to say the wrong Thing. We're going to say the wrong lingo. Um, we might we might say things accidentally that show bias, um, but we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with being making mistakes and working on them and maybe even being called out on them because the reverse of that is inaction. And that's just as wrong as the wrong action. Okay. Um, I'm going to get a little honest with you. You know, I have friends in the influencer space some that are really big and some are, you know, middle range or whatever. It doesn't matter. But I have friends in the influencer space. And I initially was just wondering, like, you know, and I, and I, and I spoke out even maybe later than I should have, but sooner than most. And I, I was also on the sidelines, like saying like, come on, like, we all need to be talking about this. We can't pretend like, just like we didn't pretend COVID-19 
wasn't happening. We can't pretend this is not happening. And I saw so many of them be silent for a long time, but I know them and I know they are good people and kind people and not racist, but I also knew that they were paralyzed over fear of doing this wrong. We all have that fear. You have to get over it. You have to just make mistakes and and, and take messy action. A story I have for you on this is Patrice Washington. She has been on the podcast and she has an incredible podcast too that I will link to, but she shared an IGTV video on this um, as a black woman, her own experience with seeing people who were paralyzed to silence, even though they saw something that was wrong. Um, So she was going to be on the Dr. Oz show. She is like a money maven. Like she talks a lot about money and purpose and God. I love her. Um, She was on our show to talk about resistance, by the way. It's still an episode I keep thinking about. But she was going to the Dr. Oz show. She was at the top of one of these cool hotels, and she was making her way down, got on the elevator, and there was this white couple there, and she said good morning to them. They said good morning back, and they were just chit-chatting, making their way down a few floors. The doors open, and another white man gets on, and she says good morning because she said that's what she was trained to do from her parents, to say good morning to see people. So he said, good morning back. And and again, they're kind of chatting and talking about their days and the weather and whatnot. They go down more and more floors and the door open again and an older white couple come on board and she says, good morning to them. And they don't respond. She says, that's okay. I'm used to that too. I still try to say that to people. And they make their way down to the main level and the doors open and the white older gentleman says ladies first and his wife walks off and um, the girl from the white couple walks off and Patrice moves forward to also walk off and he took his umbrella and he blocked her way and he said, and what she says is the most menacing and hateful face she's ever seen. I said ladies first. And she knew in that moment that what he was saying to her is that you don't count. You don't count as a lady. You don't count as human. But what really got me the most and what got Patrice the most was not just that one, you know, admittedly racist man. It was that the other people on the elevator continued to get off and didn't say a word. I want us to not be those silent bystanders the silent bystanders who know that something is wrong, but are silent because of fear. We need to push past the fear. We need to do the right thing, but messily so and make mistakes, but for the greater good. I have a little example for you on this. Now, my my friend Rachel Nilsson of the 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms podcast had Jasmine on her show to talk about racism. And by the way, if you're not, if you're like convinced that people don't get up about racism, like white people, if you are convinced that racism doesn't exist, just read the comments in the Instagram post that Rachel made about this episode, um, because it's very blatantly racist remarks are there. Anyway, but you know, part of their discussion was Jasmine shared that you need to make mistakes as you're doing this, but you also need to be open to learning about that and being okay with it and being able to say, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. And I'll try again. Now, Rachel got to practice this just a few weeks later. She shared this on her Instagram feed. She was just doing a stories, you know, kind of uh, joking about herself and, and and saying something about her wearing a moo-moo and, um, you know, just like a side remark. Um, with no, no bad intentions at all. And she got a direct message that she took screenshots of and she shared the back and forth with permission from the person who had sent her the direct message. And the person in her community had reached out to her and very lovingly 
but directly said, I know you don't understand this, but Mumu is actually a derogatory way of looking at my family's culture. And when I think of a Mumu, I think of my mom, my mom and my grandma and their traditional garments. And she explained it to Rachel. And Rachel exemplified what we do here when we make mistakes and we own up to them. And she was able to say, I am so sorry and I will do better. And I'm so glad you taught me this. And thank you. We are going to make mistakes. So still get uncomfortable and take messy action. We can do this in some of the ways I'm going to say here. We can speak up. Speak up with your kids. Point out racism. Talk to them about what's going on right now. Don't try to hide it from them. Speak up. You're going to make mistakes about how you talk about racism, but speak up with your kids. Speak up within your families and your friendships. Have conversations. Not like, you know, come with their guns blazing and and all of that, but speak up in ways that can be respectful, but also pointed. I've been doing this myself. I've been saying things like, So why do you think people don't think white privilege exists? Or like, what do you think about that? Do you think that we're privileged? And just like talking about it. Um, I actually had a great polo conversation this morning with my very best friend, um, who many would say that we have the opposite perspectives of each other. And it took courage and messy action for both of us to talk and to connect and speak together. And what we found on the other side was a lot more commonality that we might have thought we would have coming into it. And it was a relief to both of us. Okay. We might not have even changed each other's minds or anything, but we came together. We learned from each other and we connected in ways that are planting seeds for both of us. Okay. So speak up. The next way that you can take messy action is to reach out. Now I told you that one of my, one of my excuses for why I didn't reach out to people to make my show more inclusive and diverse before I had this dumb fear that people of color would think that they were going to be my token people of color on the show. I had fear about it. I had fear of how I was being perceived instead of actually taking action. I had to get over that fear. Um, and I'm so grateful for Jasmine helping me do that by pushing me to do that. Um, Because, you know, it got in the way of me doing the right thing for so long. So I had to reach out. And you know what? I've gotten some no's. And that's been okay. I've taken messy action. I've worded things wrong. I've made mistakes. And I've actually probably made a mistake in this whole episode. I'm sure I've made several. But we're trying. So reach out. Really reach out. And with that, here's another way you can make take action on this is to connect. Even if you don't understand all the history and the whys behind what we are facing right now as a nation, even if you're still confused about how you might not be a racist, but you still have bias and privilege, seek to connect with the story of a Black person right now and make that be the aim, to connect with them, to learn from them. And I'm not just saying like you you know, direct message someone privately on the internet or anything, but they right now... So many incredible Black people on the internet, on Instagram, want to share their story, to connect with you, to to step outside of the stereotypes and to share with you their own experience in ways that I'm sure are very traumatic and difficult for them. But they are doing that because they don't want us to be seen as others for each other. They don't see white people as an enemy. Most of them, I would say, like 99%. They, they want to join arms and they want to figure this out together. And they are doing that by sharing their own painful experiences and how racism has impacted their lives. Put faces to these news stories. Put faces to these news stories. I had to repeat that and connect, connect, 
there are stories there. Go and connect to the stories, even if you don't understand the history and its ramifications. It is not the time to be comfortable. It is the time to live up to our values, even if we don't understand everything fully and don't have a perfect map in front of us on the how. Now is not the time to be comfortable. So I'm going to repeat those three pointers I have for you. First is to be teachable. Second, diversify your feed. And three, get uncomfortable and take messy action. So what's next? So many other things, you know, putting your money where your mouth is via donations and buying by, uh, you know, from black run companies or businesses, um, reading books and, you know, so much more. In the show notes, I have linked to some great resources that help you know what to do more of. But I'd encourage you to listen to that one IGTV video that I referenced earlier from Iverly. And I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. But this is how you spell it. I-V-I-R-L-E-I. I've linked to it in the show notes that she has. Honestly, it's, a, it's amazing and powerful. She directed a whole IGTV video to white women who want to do their part but don't know how. So that's where I would encourage you to start. Because we do need to do more, most definitely. Um, most definitely. But if you're still not sure about all of this, you just need to start. Start with those three pointers I had for you. And I want to share with you my commitment. I'm going to keep educating myself and keep listening. I'm devoting myself to continuing to diversify my feed racially, religiously, and politically. And this podcast I'm committed to, to reflecting this community's values of inclusion, learning, and action. And I will continue to push myself to be uncomfortable, to make mistakes, to speak up, even at the danger of losing many in this audience. And I'm sure I'm going to get lots of one-star ratings and unsubscribers out of this episode alone, but that is what I am committed to. And a note on that, on this, you know, the people who are listening, this audience, this podcast growth has all like kind of been in a plateau for a little over a year. We've had the same numbers for a while and it's been confusing for me only because I think the show is getting better in terms of serving our audience better. I'm super proud of our work and I'm okay with growing slowly, but sometimes I'm like, hmm, why are we stuck where we are when I really think what we're doing here is just improving every single time. But I've realized lately that I actually think it's my own mental block and I'm going to get super woo-woo on you, but seriously, I feel like I have blocked our own growth and here's why. I am afraid of growing because I don't want to face the certain growing criticism let me say that again. I don't want to face the growing criticism that comes with growth. Okay. That the more of a population you have that you're serving, the bigger the audience, the community you're serving, the more criticism you face. And I've been terrified of that. Okay. So I'm going to put on my pioneer panties. (laughs) I know I can't please everyone, but I, I can do what I feel is right. So that means I'm going to continue to be a little uncomfortable and I'm going to do that in ways you won't see, but I'm also going to do that in ways here. I'm going to do my best to not shy away from hard topics that I really believe need to be taken out of the shadows. And I've done this in some ways, but admittedly, I want to do more of that, not to be radical, not to be like scary to people, but we need these out of the shadows from sharing, you know, about faith crises, like we've talked about in the past, um, from sharing that we as women do not need to be the sacrificial lambs for our families. Like we talked about with Dr. Julie Hanks last month. That was a scary episode to release, honestly. But I'm going to work on that in many ways. With racism, sexism, homophobia even, to push against diet culture. There's a big one to push against that people do not like to hear about. And profit-driven wellness, like we've been doing the last month and a half. And I'm doing that 
because I'm trying to see myself as a leader, a leader in my home, a leader in my community, and a leader in this space. I want to tell you that you are a leader too. You are. And you need to step up. Get uncomfortable. Even if that's starting with just learning about racism and its impact on people. I know I've had to in the past. I've had to now. And I also know that our future kids' kids need us to ask the hard questions and take the hard action now. Again, this list that I shared today with you was just a place for us to start. And I want to encourage you to go and listen to the words of Black people. They are sharing their experiences, again, at great emotional cost. I've linked to a few in the show notes, as well as other people you should follow and resources for you. Again, it's not comprehensive, but it's a place to start. Now, before we wrap up, I would love to speak to the women of color who are listening to this podcast and who have been. You matter to me. You matter to us. I have a special request and and one that is not designed to put more weight on your shoulders right now. We have an episode at the end of each theme called Dear Progressor. And I would love to hear from you in particular, women of color who listen to this show. I would love to hear from you. You can share about the theme that we've been talking about, be healthy and how it applies to you, but you are also so welcome to share about your own experience with your life and racism that you might have been impacted by. So please share that with us. You can go to aboutprogress.com slash be on the show to learn how it's super easy, but we need your voice on this show. I want to end with this quote by Latasha Morrison. Um, and she's someone online as well that I think you should be following. She says, quote, I don't have the privilege to walk away from this, nor do my brothers and sisters of color. We have to work on this out of our pain. In the midst of our suffering, I'm still hopeful, but please do the work. Divest yourself of white supremacy. It's not enough to be non-racist. That's individualistic thinking. We inherited a mess. And if if you consider yourself a person of faith, it is your responsibility because we are connected. We are a collective. This is us. Unquote. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Even if you think and feel like I just slapped you in the face, I am here for you. And I am here to help us be better. And in the process, stretch us in the most necessary of ways. So will you join me? Will you join me? Together, let's get uncomfortable and let's lead together. Now, again, our pre-recorded episodes will pick up again next week, but remember my commitments. I know I will too. And this is where I'm going to leave you today. Keep growing, my friends, and remember that life is about progress, not perfection. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.